So is this the line for Dragon's Maze? Wow, the line is really long. Mommy, we'll meet shade. up later. How long will you wait? As long as it takes. So you guys are only going to do this one ride all day? It won't be that long, probably. Mom, can you get us food? Wait, wait are they cutting? Caleb, food is so far away. Should I say something? Daddy, pick me up. Mom! Hey, there's a line here. Daddy, swing me. That's like 20 people. Oh one person holds the line for 20 people? This is bull... Don't go there. Go on a real vacation. Go RVing. Learn more at GoRVing.com. Seriously, who's blowing up my phone? Oh, yeah. Powerball. Big news. Powerball now draws three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Three, two, one. This is Chargers Unleashed Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dan Wolfenstein Jake Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dan Wolfenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, being brought to you by UFC Fin Temecula, Golden Road Brewery, Bet US, Tick Pick, and Charger Bolt Family. If this is your first time tuning into the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Apple, iTunes, Podcast, or of course. Spotify or wherever you choose to digest your weekly podcast. Dan Wolkenstein, uh, number one, it's been a minute, but uh, it's been a while since we've done this. Number of reasons, of course, for the, the brief hiatus that we've had on here, uh, some, some personal issues, and Dan Wolkenstein went on a bachelor party trip to New Orleans, so he had every good excuse to not be doing this show. So if he looks a little drowsy, if he looks a little hungover, if he looks a little bit jet-lagged, it's probably right. So, <laughs> Ain't that the truth, my goodness. But, uh, yeah, but Dan's toughing it out because we're stoked to be able to be doing this show today for obviously a multitude of reasons. But Dan, we're in the thick of draft season officially. 2021, book is shut. LA Rams win the Super Bowl. That's great. Good news. Get out of my face. I'm done with it. We're now in the heat of mm. the offseason. Mm. We are just, I believe, a, just a week away from the combine, Dan. It's almost here. So we have a plethora of draft information to discuss amongst ourselves with our listeners. And of course, just as we did last year, we'll be breaking down each one of the positional groups for uh, for the for the uh, upcoming 2022 NFL draft and more so and, and more importantly, as we did last year, Dan and I like to find the ones that are the, the best fits. And if you have been studying the draft this year and looking amongst the prospects, I think I'd have to follow along with what Daniel Jeremiah said best is that out of this entire draft class, with the exception of maybe one or two positions, there is no consensus number one guy. And some might look at that as a good thing, obviously, you know, from just a standpoint of talent being very deep, which it is. But that just means that everybody's list and everybody's top guy is going to be different. My list and Dan's list are going to be completely opposite, as I'm sure that everybody else is on this one. But and that's, that's okay. what and that's that's okay. what makes this banter exciting. And trust me, it's fluid. We haven't even hit the combine yet. We haven't even gone through the pro days yet. Obviously, free agency still has not happened yet, which is going to change a lot of the things that Dan and I are going to discuss. But this is why we like discussing this type of stuff. And uh, and we can think of none better position to start off with. Than the interior of the defensive line. It's no secret 
from the Chargers standpoint that their interior defensive line, their run defense as a whole was horrible, was porous, was pathetic. Uh, whatever bad euphemism that you want to put out there in the universe. <laughs> and the Chargers need help. The Chargers need help. And whether so that's going to be through free agency, uh, it, it, whether it's going to be through a free agent addition or not, the Chargers should definitely be targeting defensive linemen, if not once but twice in this draft. It would not shock me if they chose to double dip in this particular class because it is, it is deep. It is talented. And one word that you're going to hear Dan and I talk about a lot when it comes to this draft class is versatile. A lot of these guys have a lot of versatility. And in this particular draft class, and more importantly, what the Chargers need is versatility along the defensive line. So Dan and I are going to break into the uh, break this down. And again, this is the top defensive prospects that we feel would be the best fit for the Chargers. Obviously, if you're talking about, you know, the top 10 or the top 20, however you want to rank them as far as your defensive line. It's going to look very different. But as far as just the overall fit, as far as what Brandon Staley should be looking for, overall fit for the Chargers, that's how we have broken this list down. So, Dan, without further ado, let's start it off. Whew. So, with, so Jake, okay. I think this is going to be – you mentioned – I don't even know where to start with this. I'm like oozing with excitement. We finally get to talk about draft prospects. I feel like it's been – 365 to, oh because it has been a year yeah, that's right not able to do this um so what we're gonna do set the stage jake and i each have our top 10 list of again draft prospects for the chargers best fit for the chargers not just overall this is for our team we each have our own top 10 list we're gonna go through them we'll see where we differ where we're the same and at the end we'll go ahead and do a quick summary of our top 10 lists so you guys can kind of see those things as a whole but to start this thing off i think most Chargers fans would agree that Chargers need someone who's just mammoth, massive, stop the run, anchor on defense. They need that guy who can shore up the middle. They're not necessarily looking for someone who can like swim both inside outside lanes as much as like right now. The most important thing is like we need someone in the middle to wreak havoc. Would you agree? Absolutely. Okay. So Let's start off with the man, the myth, the legend. I think the guy that probably everybody uh, has, we've heard clamoring for. No one other than Devontae Wyatt. Now, this might be a different name than you're thinking we were going to be targeting off with. Because I think a lot of people were going to be talking about Jordan Davis, the other Georgia guy. And there's a reason why, and Jake, I have Devontae Davis, or Devontae Wyatt, excuse me, as my... DT one would, do you have him there for yourself? I do. So the reason I have him there for DT one personally is because Jordan Davis brings a lot to the table, but what he does not bring is the versatility that I think the chargers and more specifically, Brandon Staley is looking for Devontae Wyatt is in my opinion, the, Strongest and most versatile defensive tackle in this class. Easily round one. He's always beating double teams. Super physical, super athletic. His motor cannot be outmatched. Constantly beating double teams. And it's not just stopping the run that I think is why I like Devontae Wyatt as my DT1. When we talk about Jordan Davis versus Devontae Wyatt, I think what separates them for me, Jake, is Jordan Davis is a behemoth 
but he's only going to be playing two downs. Again, not the, but those are important downs. Devontae Wyatt could be there all three downs, no questions asked. And so I think you can get more out of him, and I think he's more versatile, specifically more versatile for Brandon Staley in this scheme. If you look at a Jordan Davis type, I don't see a Jordan Davis type player in any of the defenses that Brandon Staley has had in the past. And so, again, we're talking about specifically for the Chargers. I have Devontae Wyatt as my DT1. Yeah, it's a, it a good opening breakdown, and I like how you compared the differences here between Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis, obviously. Um, we're going to get into that, obviously, when we talk about Jordan Davis in a second. But I think the biggest thing that you brought into that conversation is the three-down ability of Devontae Wyatt. The dude just has a motor that does not stop. It's capable of playing the one, the three, or the five tech uh, across the defensive line. 70 career pressures for Devontae Wyatt. 12 tackles for a loss, four sacks. This guy is just... he, he He's just the type of guy that you would want to be that type of anchor to your defensive lineman. That guy who's going to be... I guess, if you will, just the... What the Chargers had in Linval Joseph as a leader, he's obviously going to step into that. But Linval Joseph, to me, was a little bit limited, better at stopping the run, didn't bring much to the table as it relates to being a pass rusher. Devontae Wyatt has that next level juice. Um, I really like the way that he uses his length, his leverage, his hand usage to uh, to get pressure on the quarterback. Again, the motor does not stop. He's constantly playing through the whistle. Love the tape that I see on him. I think one of the biggest knocks and maybe just, I mean, not so much a knock, but just one of the questionable things that people would relegate this to is he's going to be 24 years old by the time he enters the league. Mm. And I know that we've talked about and we'll, dive into this more once we get around to the offensive lineman, but there's even been discussion that people get, people are knocking a certain offensive lineman down in this class because he's going to be entering the league at the exact same age of 24. So I know that some people are a little bit sour on this aspect. And just for perspective sake, if you guys have been paying attention to Daniel Jeremiah's uh, newest mock draft that he just released today, Dan, he put Devonte Wyatt at pick number 16, going to the Philadelphia Eagles right before. Woof the Los Angeles Chargers take him. So realistically, is Devontae Wyatt going to be there? It'll be close. It'll be close. I think I would side more on that he's going to be off the board by the time that the Chargers take him at 17. Um, but I think if you were to, let's just say, hypothetically bring Justin Jones back out of your three free agent uh, defensive linemen that you have in Linball Joseph, Justin Jones, uh, Christian Covington, if you brought Justin Jones back and you paired him with Devontae Wyatt, I really like the pairing because then you have Justin Jones, who we know is probably your best run-stuffing defensive lineman. You put a guy like Devontae Wyatt like, like that right next to him, who obviously can hold his own in the run game, but also generate some interior pass rush, which is in turn going to help a lot with Joey Bosa and the guys on the outside. Uh, I think him falling to 17, even age aside, I, I would not be disappointed with this pick whatsoever. I think this would be a great if the Chargers chose to go nose tackle at 17 and bring in a guy like Devontae Wyatt. Now, I think the part that is going to cause the most riff in Chargers community is 
the topic of Jordan Davis and when would be a good time to pick him. For some reason, there's a certain subset of Chargers fans who, and I get it, I will talk about Jordan Davis in a second, but certain Chargers fans are Jordan Davis or bust at 17. And I'll put my neck out there. I'll say it. I don't want that. I do not want that. I do not yep. think that is where you can get the most value, especially at this position. I think this is the deepest, maybe wide receiver, but I think this is the deepest class. And going this high for Jordan Davis is a reach. And I get it. If he's your guy, you go get him. But he's not my guy. He's not my guy. And mm-hmm. that's not the home run pick for me. That being said, Jordan Davis on this team would be amazing. Like, it would be great. I wouldn't be upset if, you know, we traded back into the first round, went, I don't know, late 20s or so, got a Jordan Davis or Devontae Wyatt. Cool. But at 17, there's only one defensive tackle that I'm taking, and that is Devontae Wyatt. Other than that, next tier, Jordan Davis. Now, is Jordan Davis chump change? Absolutely not. I mean, this guy is arguably the biggest mountain in the entire college draft right now. 6'6", 340, looks bigger than 6'6". And looks bigger than 340. I think his nickname is Godzilla, Jake. And wouldn't surprise me. For a good reason. I mean, this guy is a I mean, he's a generational specimen when it comes to sheer size. Like, if you want someone who is just not going to move, think of like a bigger Jamal Williams. Think of someone that is going to be an anchor in the defensive line, constantly taking double teams, constantly bringing folks, setting the tone, not necessarily going to get in the quarterback. But pushing the, pushing the center or whoever is double-teaming them back a little bit, that's going to be Jordan Davis. Are you going to see him swinging around outside? No. Is he going to go sideline to sideline? No. Is he versatile in the sense of would it fit in the Chargers scheme, in my opinion? Not as much as Javante Wyatt. But if the flavor of defensive tackle that you want is just the guy that is the biggest bully in the building who will not be moved the iceberg to the Titanic, that is Jordan Davis. <laughs> it's funny what you were talking about. Is he the guy who can come off the edge and do all this, this and that? And obviously not. He's guy plays in the middle, but I was just thinking in my head when we we're talking about overall size here for Jordan Davis, I would love just to see a rep where Jordan Davis goes up against Makai Becton and just <laughs> to see two bowls of that size to go up against one another. I mean, it, it's like, must Look be television. It. It's going to cause, you know, a 5.6 on the Richter scale or something <laughs> like that. But Jordan Davis, it's and Dan, I'm in the same bucket as you are here as far as Jordan Davis at 17 is is just not my cup of tea. And for a number of different reasons for the fact of who could still possibly be there at different positions at 17 for the Chargers to take with better value, but I'm also of the opinion that I'm not so sour on Jordan Davis that if the Chargers were to do something that I've been clamoring for them to do for the better part of 20 years, and that, of course, is trade back, and you're talking about, okay, well, the Chargers have pick 25, between 25 and 28, and Jordan Davis still happens to be there on the board, absolutely, I I would take that pick right there. No question about it. But Jordan Davis does the dirty work in the middle in order to make others succeed. See Devontae Wyatt. What what these guys did as a pair was fantastic for Georgia. But... um, you know, what What he offers in terms of pass rush is just not there. He is just a stout two-down run defender. That's his bread and butter. Doesn't offer much just in terms of the pass rush. Can be a little behind off the 
off the snap as far as he's just six, six, three forty. He's massive. Yes, which obviously we don't <laughs> expect him to be some you know flash type of a guy hauling this type of size. But then I kind of go back to what Trevor Sykema from PFF said to us just a couple weeks ago. And when we were talking about Jordan Davis and potentially him being a target, he used the example of when Vita Vea came out of the draft and him going to the Buccaneers. And his line was, Vita Vea didn't really become the Vita Vea that everybody thought he was going to become until the Tampa Bay Buccaneers put other pieces around him. Now, unfortunately, I think this is, I think it is a very similar story here with Jordan Davis. The unfortunate part about that is, and maybe why Dan and I are souring on this, is because the Chargers don't have guys to put around Jordan Davis right now that are going to be that type of, you know, if I'll take the double team, then you can go and do this or you can go. They and don't do have that. him yet. If, if, if Justin, if Justin Jones was more of a pass rush specialist in the middle as opposed to what he's good at in the run game, then I could see a better case here for Jordan Davis mm-hmm. because you're going to free up more of that interior pressure. But to me, Jordan Davis is not going to solely fix your running concerns as it relates to this defense goes. And it may take time. You're going to need to continuously put other pieces around him. Now, who knows, Dan? We may come out of free agency and we may be talking about one or two guys here that were great free agent signings. And the Chargers may look to reinforce it again coming around and with a pick like Jordan Davis. Who knows? But we're not at that stage yet. We don't know if that is the case. As of today... If it's me at 17, am I taking Jordan Davis? The answer is no, but you give me that pick, but you know, eight or 10 picks later. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah, take and, and again, I do, I do think that Jordan Davis could be the answer again, not at 17, but I think he could be the answer. If we were to go in another direction, either before or after him or in free agency, for example, if you pair Jordan Davis with somebody that we have coming up in the show, that has a little more versatility than him, that can be a little more pressure versatility, plus, then I can see it working. But I think the the reason why I have him behind Wyatt is I think Wyatt is immediately three down, starting into your defensive line, set it, forget it, you're good to go. Jordan Davis, there's still a down you got to wait on. Now, is there value there? Absolutely. But I think you get the most out of this pick with the aforementioned Devontae Wyatt. All right, Jake, I think we're going to go on to your guy, I believe. And this is someone that I think was super high on the radar for you. Uh, someone who is just, I mean, when you get him going, it's hard to stop. Talk about Phil Mathis. Fedarian Mathis. Well, technically, Dan, this is this is one of my guys. This is not this is not the guy, but it's one of my guys. Okay, so I have him, I have him as my defensive line three. You got him as three. I believe yep. if I'm looking at my list correctly, I have him at four, if I'm correct. Yep. Okay. So flip a coin. <laughs> I really still like Fedarian Mathis in this class. I should say, uh, this is the talk- guy that you've liked for the longest time. That's what I probably should say. I, I've really liked what I've seen from Fedarian Mathis for a, for a while now. And I think just his combination of his size, his speed, his motor – um, uses his length extremely well, powerful hands. Watch the tape against Texas A&M. That's, that's if you really want to see the full package of, you know, what it is that he brings to the table, go to his Texas A&M game and watch, and watch that tape. Um, 
I really like his his body movement, his lateral agility, being able to just it's not just a straight move for him. He can toss guys aside. He can he can come from different angles. And, and probably nobody helped their case more during the, the senior bowl week. There's there's a couple guys. One of the guys we're going to talk about in a second that is there's actually technically there's three guys who really helped to elevate their stock uh-huh. as it relates to the senior bowl in this class. But Fidarius Mathis was definitely uh, definitely one of them. And I, I hate to bring this name up, but Dan, you're going to hear me say this name three times throughout this show. And that is uh, that's Cade Mays, who is the offensive lineman from Tennessee. Cade Mays. The reason I'm bringing up Cade Mays is that Cade Mays did not have the best day going up against Fatarian Mathis in in the drills. And uh and every time that I say Cade Mays in this in this podcast, that's the reason why because he did not fare well against these certain guys here. But talk about just a jump for Fatarian Mathis because he was originally projected Dan as as an early day 3 pick. And obviously what he did at, at Alabama and then it, and they come along toward the end of the season, I think he solidified himself in that round two conversation, no question about it. But I mm-hmm. think as a guy who's just versatile, can either play the 4-3 or the 3-4 scheme, you could put him at the five-tech spot. Um, I just really like his length, his motor, his combination of how he puts it all together as far as being that versatile-type defensive lineman. I think Brandon Staley would love this coming around in the second round. And if he's, uh, if he's available there, uh, I think this would be a great selection for them. I mean, you can't go wrong with Phil Mathis. I mean, this guy, this guy is a mountain of a man too. Six, four, 312 pounds. He, for how big he is, I think he has one of the best first steps in this entire class. I love his hands, thick frame. I think he's a team leader by far. Um, you talk about versatility, Jake. He can play both the nose as well as defensive end, which when you think about those guys that Brand Staley has had on defense in the past in the interior, they kind of slide across the line. This is one of those guys that can do that, where he can get pressure on the quarterback and stop the run. You mentioned it. His motor is relentless. I think he's one of the more powerful guys in this draft. And I love the fact that his thicker frame, I think, will hold up better than some of the guys that we have on this team currently, i.e. Tillery. Like, I, th- I think Phil Mathis is built more for NFL defensive tackle than some of the guys that we we're talking about later on here. Phil Mathis, to me, when I first started looking at him, I was thinking, like, oh, man, like, he blew up. I'm thinking, dude, he could be possibly late round one. But seeing how things are going right now, I would bet there's probably going to be – and, this again, this is due to the depth at other positions and, honestly, due to the depth at defensive tackle. Things like wide receiver, cornerback. You're probably gonna have run on, probably gonna have run cornerbacks as well. There's probably gonna be one, maybe two defensive tackles going in round one, maybe. And then from there, there's a bunch in round two. And I think that's kind of where we're at now. I probably have him as a mid round two, right around the time the Chargers are going round two, forty, whatever that is, probably thirty, fifty ish. Um, Phil Mathis would be fun. That would be a fun one for me. Now, next, Jake on the list. And this is where you and I have them flip-flopped. Mm-hmm. I have Travis Jones behind. You have Travis Jones ahead. Talk about a guy that had arguably the best performance at the Senior Bowl. Oh, my God. Travis Jones out of UConn, <laughs> 6'5", 330, opened eyes all week at Senior Bowl, Jake. Dude, his quickness, his strength combination, 
is exactly what you'd want to see from an interior defensive lineman like this. And you said it. You just go watch some of the practice reps that Travis Jones was having during uh, Senior Bowl week, and he's just a monster. He's terrorizing the offensive lineman that he's going up against. I think what I like about him the best, Dan, is that he doesn't solely rely on one technique to get to the quarterback. As strong as he is, it's not like it's just, you know, me, you, one-on-one, and I'm going to be the guy that's going to overpower you and get to the quarterback. He doesn't just solely rely on the bull rush. He has such a good change of direction and lateral quickness that if you watch some of his film and the snap goes and he's going one way and figures out that it's not he's not going to get there, he'll, he'll quickly switch direction or he'll come in with a spin move. Uh, it's just he's got a whole arsenal of pass rushing abilities that he's got. And I just love the full complement of what of how he puts it together as a pass rusher. And again, he's no slouch against the run either. Extremely versatile. He's going to be he's definitely going to be able to plug gaps in the run game. But talk about a guy who was not known that much for being a disruptive force. And then when you see what he did during senior bowl week, you're like, okay, wait a second, hang on. And then you go back and you really look at it. And just from a technical standpoint, I love the way that that this guy puts it together. And you've seen plenty of mock drafts that have had the chargers coming around in the second round and selecting Travis Jones, man. Oh man. I don't know who the hell they're going to take in the first round, but whoever it is, if you were to pair it with Travis Jones in the second, call that a win, baby. Yep. Man, Travis Jones, if there is one guy that personifies bully ball in this class, I think it's him. Uh, he just, you said terrorizes. He just over, he just outpowers everyone. Uh, 6'4", 330. His lower half is insane. He's got tree trunks. You're always seeing him push back into your offensive lineman. If it's one-on-one, center has no chance. Even if he it's He has an 83-inch wingspan, Dan. I mean, just the measurables. Put yeah, it together. You, you will always see him pushing one and two guys backwards, which is all you want from interior pressure. He sheds double teams and blocks for running backs, for running back tackles very well, which, honestly, I think that's something that the Chargers have done very poorly in the past. They don't shed blocks well, and they nope. just get sucked out of the play. He's also very patient, which I think is an underrated quality for interdefensive line he won't you won't often see him getting out of position very much and a lot of times he will set his position and let the running game come to him uh, i already talked about you talked about how amazing he was a senior bowl the crazy part about him jake is he actually came in i believe he came into camp weighing like 360 and had like 30 percent body fat and because the team wanted him to get quicker more agile he ended up losing 30 pounds, reduced his body fat from 30% to 13, lost 30 pounds, and now this dude is absolutely jacked. Uh, fat percentage is just 13%, super strong processor, and to be honest, he might be one of the better versatile guys in this class. Like If I'm wanting someone other than Devontae White for pure versatility, it might be him. He is always pushing the pocket. Always has active hands. You'll see a lot of batted down balls too, which honestly the Chargers need to get better at. And he has a great knack for cutting angles down. Like you see him slice and penetrate within the offensive line all the time, which from a Chargers perspective, boy, wouldn't that be nice? Mm. It's been a minute since we've had interior pressure like this, healthy and beefed up. So Travis Jones, to me, I have him as my, was that like his fourth, fifth? I have one you behind you. Four, I believe. 
And if the Chargers can somehow get him in round two, sign me up. Let's go. Now, moving on, Jake. This guy. This Oh, we're back to this guy. Uh, this guy, quote unquote, Perrion Winfrey out of Oklahoma, 6'4", just under 300 pounds, a little bit lighter. And this is where I think some Chargers fans and some media outlets and pundits get a little concerned with, like, you'll hear the idea of there being like a tweener. And is that really the Chargers move? Should they go that way? When you think about tweeners, look at someone like a Jamal Williams back in the day versus someone like a Jerry Tillery, where Jerry Tillery can kind of slide in and out. At least that was the thought. Jamal Williams, you just put him in the middle and let him go. Uh, Perry and Winfrey is that archetype of can go anywhere on the line, isn't necessarily built just for the inside, can kind of go everywhere. But he has, I think he started off last year as a ton of noise and then kind of went under the radar for a bit. I have him going late round two, possibly round three. I'll go into the negatives here in a second. But the dude is an absolute specimen physically. I mean, he blows up, splits double teams very easily. He's actually very good laterally and in pursuit. Um, you see a lot of questions about, like, do they need someone like this? And this is where, like, Jake, imagine if the Chargers somehow, I don't know how this would work, but imagine they traded back, went to the late 20s, ended up getting Jordan Davis and Perry and Winfrey and paired those two together. Sign me up for that all day long. Perry Winfrey as your interior defensive tackle two slash three would be money. But if you're relying on him to solely be your anchor, I just don't know if that's my guy. I have him a little lower than maybe some people do. And that's just because I just don't see him being that one guy that fixes most of your problems. I have Perry Winfrey as my defensive tackle five. Where do you have him? He's about, I mean, he's pretty much in this, in the same, the same ranking there. Uh, and the funny part about this was, is that if you go back and you start looking at everybody's interior defensive line ranking before the season even started, Perry and Winfrey was right around the IDL five, six, and he's had just such a, it's a very interesting road that he has taken through college football to now, obviously now the opportunity to get drafted here and go to the NFL. You talk about a guy who was at Iowa Western community college, Dan, <laughs> where he had 55 total tackles, nine and a half sacks transfers to Oklahoma finishes with 40 total tackles and six sacks over a two year span. Now the thing about Perry and Winfrey is, is that, Yes, there were flashes, but it just wasn't consistent enough for him. You say that you see the the lateral abilities, and yes, that may come up here and there. The lateral quickness and ability, I question it a little bit because to me, it's not always there. So, and this is where I say this the strange thing here because again, here's another guy who really helped his stock during Senior Bowl week because Perry and Winfrey goes to the Senior Bowl, wins the MVP, has a fantastic game for him. If the Perry and Winfrey that showed up in that film during that Senior Bowl week and that performance in the Senior Bowl, if that was the consistent week-to-week -week that we got during the 2021 uh, college football season, we probably would be talking about Perry and Winfrey a little bit higher here. But going back to what he, what he brings to the table, again, you know, good athleticism, Really like the technician, how he uses his hands. 
uh, is, you know, is capable of uh, helping out in both the run and as a pass rusher. But again, it's the inconsistency, Dan, that just really that's fair. Put that, and that's where it put that's where it puts him here for me is just that he needs to show that that consistency a little bit more. The other four guys that we have talked uh, talked about ahead of him have have shown that. Um, and is that not to say that he can't do that? No, absolutely not. But if if you're telling me if you were to guarantee me right now that the Perry and Winfrey that we saw during Senior Bowl week is the guy that you're going to get on Sundays for a 17 game season. I'll take it. Yeah. He seems, I don't know about you, but he seems like kind of the, the high ceiling, but also low floor. And I don't think the chargers can afford to do that as their one guy they get. Now, again, pair him with someone else, sign me up, but have him be the guy you're depending on. I'm a little cautious of, do you agree? Uh, Yeah. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. Uh, him in round two, that's totally fine. Um, round but if two. you're telling, I, yeah, I, I put, put him in solely in the round two conversation. I would, I, I think, I mean, do I think he's going to get taken in round two? It's possible because I think that the run on D tackles, like you had mentioned, they're possibly being only one or two guys that goes in the first round. I really think that the run on D tackles is going to come in that second round for sure, especially with some of the guys that we just talked about. Um, so could it be toward the tail end of round two? Maybe it might be past the Chargers as far as a value standpoint goes. Obviously, there's other guys that I would take with the Chargers second round pick, but I think he solidified himself as a, as a like maybe – you know, mid to a late round two pick. I think that the senior bowl helped him immensely. And if he can continue doing that throughout the combine and his pro days. Yeah. I think that that, I think that that spot makes perfect sense for him. Okay. So Jake, I think this is kind of where we separate kind of that first and second tier from kind of either the third, fourth tier or guys that might be higher draft picks, but just don't fit for this team. And there's going to be a lot of controversy there, but before we get into that, Jake got to pay the bills. Gotta pay the bills. We are excited to announce that we have partnered with a number of different sports books to give you the best options for all of your sports betting needs. Even though the Super Bowl is over for our California listeners, BetUS.com is the perfect place to bet on your favorite sporting event. If you live in a betting state, then be sure to check out our deals with DraftKings, FanDuel, or BetMGM. And in order to get our special Chargers Unleashed deal, you have to click on the link located in the description below and win big with some of these amazing promotions. Wow, that didn't take a lot, Dan. Holy crap. You made it. You made it. Made it. We pay the bills. We get to talk about yep. fun stuff again. As we said before, there is like a certain tier or two that we talked about before the average. Yes. And there's kind of this next tier afterwards. Either guys that are not quite as promising as the ones prior or just might not be the best fit. So, Jake, who's the next guy? So I got Neil Farrell out of LSU, and I just I really like the tape that I see from Neil Farrell. Very disruptive as far as the as far as what he brings to the table as a defensive lineman. Um, just he makes it hard on other people <laughs> on offensive linemen to uh, to block. Essentially, uh, Neil Farrell is another casualty name for the one and only Cade Mays, the aforementioned Cade Mays <laughs> that we were talking about earlier on. Go and find the tape. Unfortunately, Cade Mays also had some bad reps against Neil Farrell during Senior Bowl week. But I just love his combination of uh, what he brings to the table with uh, with his pass rush abilities, his strength, his length, his um, his quickness. He puts it all together, and it's and, and it's consistent for him. And again, consistency. As if you've been listening to this show long enough, you know why that's in, important to me. Um, 
but he can he can flash a lot as far as just blowing right through the gap as far as um if it's coming into the two gap scenario and stopping the run, I really like what it, what he brings to the table there. Uh, he's got stack and shed power. Um, just uh, a lot of disruption and, and hand movement. I, I get, I, he's not the quintessential type of guy to just say, I'm going to use one move on you to get past you. I'm going to come at you at a variety of different angles. So again, versatile type of guy, uh, has a multiple skill set to his pass rushing arsenal. And I put him, I give him that, that fringe day. I mean, he kind of came into me as like a fringe day two, day three prospect. I think I, it wouldn't shock me, Dan, if he's taken toward the end of round three. I know, as you said, the really? swirl as, as, as the, as yeah. And, and there's a reasoning for this. And I couple that with, with the reason that day two is definitely going to be a run on defensive tackles here. There may not be as many as what people are thinking as far as, uh, you know, as many people were thinking that there could be a lot of D tackles going in round one. I see it right now over under two at most. So round two, especially, I think you're going to see that uh, defensive tackle position really start to get going as far as uh, teams that are pursuing them. And, and same thing with round three. And I think just from that supply demand standpoint, um, if you couple that with a good combine and a good pro day for Neil Farrell, especially after what he did during senior bowl week. Yeah. I could see that there'd be an argument that he goes as high as maybe the tail end of round three, but initial look at him. Uh, yeah. I would say, I would say he's that fringe day two, day three prospect. Interesting. Okay. So you have him as your number seven guy, which if folks are paying attention, there's a guy that we've skipped, which we're going to be talking about here in a bit, but you have him mm-hmm. as your number seven. I have him as my number 10 guy. And not because he is not a good run defender, but because in my opinion, I mean, I I will agree with everything that you said, but in my opinion, I think that he is going to be almost always a run defender. I don't see him being used on third down often, unless it's short yardage. And I also think that there are more flaws to his game than most of the other guys on the list so far. For me, particularly, like I think he's not the greatest with leverage. Like I, for six four three thirty plus, like he plays a little play, high. Yeah, he, play, he plays too guy. tall. He plays too tall, and sometimes he lacks positioning because of that. It'll just get kind of washed out. Um, I don't think he's a pass rusher at all. Um, I also really? think that he. I also think that he kind of has. He's a little heavy in areas you don't want to be heavy in, and he's thin in areas you don't want to be. Like his midsection is a lot heavier than you'd like to see his legs or his shoulder upper body. I I like him. He's a top 10 guy for me. I don't have him as high as you. And the biggest reason is because I just don't see him being that anchor on the inside. And quite frankly, for someone who's just, who's mostly a run defender, there are guys I have on this list we'll be talking about that are better than him. Let me ask you this. And obviously this is different just from a standpoint of, of skill set, size, and everything like that. Obviously there's no question who's ranked higher between Jordan Davis and Neil Farrell here. But if you're telling me as far as the overall skill set about which guys has more, does Neil Farrell bring more to the table than he does than he than Jordan Davis here? No, I don't think so. I think I think Neil Farrell is like a I, I hate when people use this term like a poor man Jordan Davis. 
Okay. Like, I think I think they're kind of the same archetype, but Jordan Davis is like plus, plus, plus in a lot of the things that Neil Farrell is, in my opinion. And you don't think that he's that good of a run defender because no, that's where I see I do, him. No, I do. No, I don't think he's as good of, if I've said this, I, I apologize. I don't think he's as good of a pass defender. Okay. Run defender, okay. that's what he's good okay. at. But I don't I, think yeah, he's I mean, as he definitely good as flashes. I think that he has more of the elements to grow into that pass rusher because of his quickness and his lateral agility, which he does possess because I think he's very athletic. But yeah, he makes it tough on other guys in the run game. That's no question about it. But I think he's obviously, yeah, he needs to de- he needs to do a little bit more to develop. Um, but I think that he could put that entire skill set together as far as being more of a complete defensive lineman in both run and could develop into that pass rushing uh, specialist that you'd like to have. Definitely not a, a guy who you'd say is a three down player. And that's obviously not what this second tier is for, obviously. But um but yeah, I think that he's a, he's a good developmental prospect. Probably starts off as a rotational uh, defensive lineman piece. Let's just say hypothetically, if this is the Chargers drafting him here, I if the if the Chargers were to double dip on defensive linemen, and you said okay, they either spent their first or their second round pick on any of the guys that that we have just spent the last you know several minutes talking about. If Neil Farrell was the second guy taken. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be displeased as that. This could be your quintessential Christian Covington replacement if if Christian Covington ends up walking. But as a good rotational defensive lineman piece, I would love to see Neil Farrell uh, in this defense. Yeah, and I think my only other negative that I would say is in terms of rotational piece, again, I only see him as a run-defending rotational piece. Seriously, who's blowing up my phone? Oh, yeah. Powerball. Big news. Powerball now draws three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Nurses showed so much love to my niece, Piper, when she was born. Their care for her inspired me. So I decided to switch career paths to nursing and enroll in Marion University's Accelerated Nursing Program. Designed for non-nursing bachelor's degree holders, it offers a 16-month path to a nursing degree and blends online and hands-on learning with clinicals at Ascension St. Vincent. What are you made of? Search Marion ABSN to learn more. And there are some other guys I see as having more versatility than him, which is why I have him ranked lower than you. Again, still a top 10 guy. Totally fine. Yep. All right, Jake. Moving on, we are now on to, I think, one of the guys that both of us have grown very fond of. Love this man. And someone who I think is the polar opposite in terms of how he carries his weight. Marquan McCall out of Kentucky. <laughs> you can, He's like the Jordan Davis type where you just will not move him. 6'3", 350. He looks bigger than he weighs like i would like when you see him you think he weighs more than 350 and you think he weighs or he is taller than 6'3 marquan mccall is one of my darlings in this draft and i honestly think it's because he plays so much bigger than he is and when you watch him play he is constantly constantly pushing people back double teams triple teams doesn't really matter and it looks easy to him he would be like the prototypical Jamal Williams type interior defensive line slash nose tackle, set him down on the anchor, and you don't have to worry about him moving at all. 
I really like him. If we're talking about guys that are pure run defenders and anchors, he's up there on my list. He is one of my favorites in this class, and it's because of his thick frame. I think he's durable, and you cannot move him. And you don't have to pick him in round two like you would, or maybe round one, like a Jordan Davis. I know Jordan what is, Davis what, is what, a better what, version of him, but the drop-off isn't that astronomical, where if you paired McCall with someone who is a little bit more versatile, you're good to go. You you get, I, you get him, Akeem Hicks, and Justin Jones, like sign me up in a heartbeat. Give me your ceiling on Marquan McCall. How high do you think he could potentially go in this draft? I honestly, I probably would pick him earlier than most. I see him as like a round three guy. Is this like your, your, are you calling your shot? This is like your diamond in the rump type. Oof. I don't think, right no, I have a couple other guys that are more diamonds than he is, but he <laughs> is one of my guys that I think he's going to be a steal for whichever team gets him. So I don't think enough eyes have been on him. I think you'll see more as the weeks and days come through when you see, start seeing things like pro day, start watching stuff for the combine. He's going to blow stuff up. I guarantee he's one of the strongest guys. I have him as my number nine guy, but if I'm looking for just physical specimen who will not move and will plow through your offensive line for run defense, this is him. I love the tape of Marquand McCall. And he is the one that has the nickname Bully Ball. And Dan, what we should have done is we should have done like a compare and contrast between 2020 and, and 2021 because Marquand McCall, believe it or not, as big as we list him here, I believe he was actually three... He was, he was 341, so just under 350 here. But he lost, Dan, he lost 40 pounds in between the 2020 and 2021 season. He was at 380. One point time, he was 381. He was playing at 381. I would love to see what the difference looks like <laughs> between both of these pictures. It's just insanity. And, but, Jake, I, and Jake, just to put that in perspective, I would love to, I don't, you don't have to tell me how much you weigh because I know you've been working out. You've been cutting yourself. It looks you look great. But imagine, like, roughly, Two plus of you. <laughs> it still wouldn't you. equal. It still wouldn't equal what Marquand McCall weighs or weighed at one time at three eighty one. It still insane. wouldn't equal. That. That's disgusting. But the drop in poundage, you definitely see that in the tape as far as what makes him a more effective defensive lineman. Yes, he's an anchor. Yes, nobody is. It's it's very difficult at all to get this guy to move backwards. But on top of that, he plays with leverage, plays with violence, love his hands. He's not just a stout guy, plant me in like a tree and you have to go around me type thing. He could be highly disruptive, made a highlight reel tackle during Shrine Bowl practices. And during the first drive of the Shrine Bowl, when it came down to a fourth and goal play, he was the guy who stuffed it and absolutely shut that drive down. Um I love what I see from him because at the line of scrimmage, like you said, Dan, there may arguably be as far as just you look, you know, at, at what's there at a base level as far as to say, okay, this guy's going to be my my two down, my gap penetrator, take on the double teams, obviously, in the run game. Yeah, from the next level down, the poor man's Jordan Davis, the measurables obviously speak that here with Marquand McCall. 
Marquand McCall would be fun to have on your team. Like he would be a guy yeah, that you would love to see wearing the powder blues. Uh, pair him up with someone on the interior defensive line that could be more versatile to him, and bam, you're good to go. Now another guy, Jake. This is one of he's a little bit undersized, which I, I think this is kind of like you get shades of Jerry Tillery in this a bit. But I do think that he can wreak havoc. Haskell Garrett out of Ohio State, 6'2", 300 pounds. He's quick, man. He he shoots the gap really well. He, like most of these guys can take on double teams with ease. Really strong showing at a senior bowl, man. Like I think that's where he made the most money of his entire career so far without a senior bowl. Great instincts, really good hands. His first step is among the best of these guys on this on this list. Uh, I think his best quality is his quickness and his ability to shoot the gap. Haskell Garrett, I think, is a day three guy for me, but I like him. Like He's one of those guys where if you try to take a flyer on someone, you're not relying on him to be the guy that's going to be your surefire replacement or solution for your run defense. But as a piece for your depth, I like Haskell Garrett. Mm -hmm. To your starter, Haskell Garrett to go with the undersized measurables. Now, with the exception of Jerry Tillery, historically, the way that Tom Telesco has built this defense up, especially on the line outside of the defensive ends or the outside linebackers, he likes smaller guys because he was still building it in that old Indianapolis Colts type of mold. So regardless of the measurables here and what you see at 6'2", 300 pounds from Haskell Garrett, Tom Telesco doesn't let those measurables shy away, shy him away from possibly that's selecting true. him. That's for sure. And history has told us that. Uh, I just love the toughness that Haskell Garrett plays with. Dan, you had mentioned what he was doing during uh, uh, Senior Bowl week. You mentioned the first step. Wicked first step. Extremely quick off the snap. Um, takes on the double teams. Plays into the backfield. Pushes people back. And talk about toughness, Dan. I just found this out just this week when just reviewing film on him. But Haskell Garrett back in 2020 of August of 2020, right before the uh, the college season was supposed to start, do you know that he was he he ended up taking a gunshot wound to the face while he was breaking up a fight, what? and and was back two months later onto the football field and got a sack in his first game back. I mean, just talk about outside of physical toughness, talk about just the mental toughness of having to endure something like that and come back on the football field and you go out and you get a sack and you're in your first game and you return. I mean, I just, I love that. Not that that's, that's just an aspect of a, you know, talk about draft value, but it's just, it's, it's an amazing story that he's actually gone through in uh, just two short years ago, but Haskell Garrett, I would not mind this at all. Day three, Dan, I'm in the same area as you are as far as the overall draft value for him. Um, really like what I saw on tape, even for a guy who only has two years of starting experience. Now, we're getting to the guy who is one of my darlings in this class. Here we go. 6'6", 320 from Arkansas. The man, the myth, the legend. And I think he has a nickname, but I forget what it is. But I think you know what it is, Jake. John I know Ridgeway. Is. What's the nickname he's given? The Vanilla Gorilla. Vanilla Gorilla. I mean, if you don't draft a guy on his name alone, I'm drafting Vanilla Gorilla. This guy is a beast. He is 6'5", but all pounds of force. He actually used to be a state champion wrestler and is just pure mass. You'll never see him going backwards. 
He is that physical presence. Again, 6'5", relentless motor, relentless pressure, eats up fetters for lunch, holds his ground really well, especially in double team. I like the fact that he has really long arms and big hands. It's a you, When you watch him play at Arkansas, you'll see so many times three-man front, right? Him, three guys on five offensive linemen. And he is taking that on with ease and pushing two, three guys back all the time and generating not just run pressure, but also pass pressure. I have him as a date late day two guy for me. I think he might go later than that, but I would take him earlier. He's a brute force, brute strength style guy. I know he can, he's made his money on stopping the run, but I also think he can also improve as a pass rusher and will be better as a pass rusher than some of these other guys that we had. He doesn't necessarily have like crazy athleticism, but for being that big, I think he's pretty dang athletic. John Ridgeway to me is a guy that you are not seeing or hearing enough about, but give it time. Wait till he has his combat, his combine and pro day. And you're going to be like, dang, his stock is going to soar. I'm calling it right now. Interesting. So now, the, see, that's quite the praise for a guy who spent one year in the SEC as a transfer from Illinois State. That's quite a lot of praise for a mm-hmm. guy like that, Dan. But um, again, I think we're really people started to look at him. I mean, again, the, the stats for him in 2021 were were they, they're they're nothing to gloat about there, there weren't you know, no, no, I, underst- really like... I understand that i understand that you know 39 total tackles okay four tackles for a loss two sacks okay but i think as you had mentioned once the senior bowl came around that was where people i think kind of went back to the tape looked at it and unfortunately, and Dan, we really should be keeping like a tally of this and just put Cade, Cade Mays' name at the top of the screen <laughs> because this is the third time I'm about to bring Cade Mays up. John Ridgeway made Cade Mays another casualty of him during Senior Bowl week. Um, again, just eats up blocks. I, I project him uh, as a great rotational defensive lineman piece to start. As you had said, you had him, you had him what, at, at toward the end of day two or round two, was it? I, toward I the end him, of day two, early toward the day, day three. okay. That's about because I, I give him a mid to a, you know a, a late round grade, so anywhere between that three and five range is probably where I'd slot him for now. We'll see what the rest of the weeks come in the time ahead for him. But um, yeah, you know the the bull rushes for him were extremely, um, you know th- those were the things that were really on display during Senior Bowl week for him. And uh, I, again, I, you go back to the tape. I like the way he eats up blocks. It's not just a standpoint of some guy who can come and can contribute against the run game, but this guy, he can cause disruption. I, I would love him as an ideal, you know, third down and 12 piece. And you say, okay, I got to bring the interior defensive line pressure, put in John Ridgeway. I would love to see that. I would think that would be a great He's the piece. ideal third and 12 guy. Yes. Yes, where where the Chargers can't do anything on third down when it comes to either rushing the passer or stopping anybody on third down. Even, hey, we saw it. Even if it's third and 22, it really doesn't matter. The opposing offenses okay. were still able to convert on those. So John Ridgeway as a replacement for Christian Covington is a good uh, depth piece to start off his career. I wouldn't mind that at all. 
Now we're we're wrapping up this episode, and you'll notice that there are a few guys that you would have thought that we have mentioned by now, and that's for good reason that we have not. So be patient. Again, we've talked about guys like Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis, Travis Jones, Phil Mathis, Perry Winfrey, Neil Farrell, John Ridgeway, Haskell Garrett, Marquan McCall. There's a couple guys remaining, some of which we would say are probably some of our hidden gems, some of which are guys that are probably ranked much higher than some of the guys we mentioned, but we just don't see being the fit at when they'd be available. We're going to get there now. And then again, we're going to finish this off with the final list of top prospects from both Jake and I. So we can kind of round it in form. Jake, ready for our next one? We're rounding it out. Do it. Now, oh, this is your guy. I am higher on this guy than most, but Me. Chris Hinton <laughs> out of Michigan is one of my favorites. 6'4, 310. Again, a big dude. And again, I don't necessarily know if I would want him as like my main guy. Like, I get it. He probably would be one of those like rotational pieces. I see him as like an early slash maybe mid round, mid day three guy, like right, maybe rounds four or five, roughly. Super stocky frame. The only question I have, and I don't necessarily know if this is even fair to him, is he lined up with two guys who are probably going to be going in round one. Ajabo and Hutchison both lined up with him. And I'm sure took up most of the double teams. Like, you only can only double team so many people. So, Christopher Hinton, he has looked very good. But my only concern or question is, can he look that good when he's constantly having to go up against double and triple teams? We didn't necessarily get to see that as much this year because of the quality of talent on his line with him. But... I like his frame. I like his physique, the way he's built. I think he does a very good job of setting the tone. His feet stand very well, stand firm, long arms. Again, I think he rounds out. I think he's my number 10 guy on my list. Um, honorable mention for me in terms of guys that I would like to see. But Chris Henton, actually, excuse me, he's number 11 for me. Again, last guy on my list in terms of 1 through 11. But there's something there. I think a team will get him. If you can get a good defensive coordinator, a good D-line coach, I think you could bring out a lot from him. Chris Hinton is one of the guys that I would probably take a flyer on late round four or five. Again, I'm not relying on Chris Hinton to be the guy that fixes my run defense by himself. It's just not going to happen. But as a depth piece, sign me up. I like it, Tim. Very well said. Again, this is this is this is your guy, not mine. But yeah. very well. You're, said. you're like, I'll just let it be radio silence because I don't want to say yeah, anything. Yeah, that's him. what I should have done. I should have <laughs> just kept my mouth shut. But <laughs> now, Jake. Okay, real talk. We've gotten to the point where there is, I think, a few guys left here, and this one, you're probably wondering why the hell has it taken this long to mention DeMarvin Leal from Texas A&M. And quite honestly, Jake, you and I almost didn't even talk about him in this episode. Last minute, we decided, you know, we can't not have him on this list. And Jake, you and I kind of went back and forth with if he should be here. And the reason why we decided he should is because at the end of the day, is he a top 10 defensive tackle that the Chargers could get? Sure. But when he's going to get picked... There's no way that I would take him over some of the other guys that we mentioned. And so, for example, for me, 
I have him ranked below Perry and Winfrey, below Travis Jones, below Phil Mathis, below Devontae Wyatt, below Jordan Davis. And he's probably going to go before half of those guys. Not on my big board, but the reason why he's going to go that high is because he does bring a lot to the table. He brings probably more versatility, I would say, than most in this class, but not enough versatility to where he's going to be that guy for this Chargers scheme specifically. And you think about, okay, how could Jake and Dan not have DeMarvin Leal on their top interior defensive line list for any team? I get it. So for me, I have him on there as my number six guy, but I think there is zero chance. Actually, zero. 5.5% chance the Chargers go for DeMarvin Leal because when the Chargers, in my opinion, would get him, he'd already been taken a round or two prior. I just don't see the stock for him that high in a Chargers camp, but I I can see him doing well in the NFL, but I don't see him fixing the issues the Chargers have. The Chargers need someone who can run stop, who can fill the gaps. That's not what DeMarvin Leal's bread and butter is. It's just not. And you see a lot of people talking about him in the media too, where like, where does he go? What's his fit? What scheme is he best for? Who's he better than at certain qualities? He's one of those like jack of all trades, ace of none. But what teams are looking for those right now? And so that's my concern for him. Again, a little undersized for two, especially for the Chargers, especially what the Chargers need. But he's still a good football player. Where he goes, I think it's going to be important. The scheme he's in is going to be very important. But I just have a hard time finding the finding him in a role on this Chargers team. And when we started this thing off from the jump, Jake, top prospects for the Chargers, he's there, but there's no way the Chargers are going to pick him as high as they would need to. So for that reason, we're talking about him, but like, is there really a chance? I don't know. Very interesting road for DeMarvin Leal at this point from Prior to the start of the 2021 college season, he was the consensus number one interior defensive lineman coming into this season. And since then, I mean, this was a guy, again, who even was gaining buzz as a top 10 pick for as good as he was coming to this. And now you're seeing him in mock drafts that have him falling as far as 51 overall. And I think the thing, and you touched on a lot of it there, Dan, but Yes, is he athletic? Is he versatile? Yes, he has those those aspects. Obviously, there was a reason why he he gained so much notoriety. But I think he obviously did not have the greatest 2021 season that everybody expected him to have. And a lot of the things at the next level that would be considered red flags started showing up. Obviously, he doesn't. I don't think that he has. And this is one of the reasons why Dan mentions, like, where do you place him? Do you do you keep him at interior defensive line because he's undersized? I personally don't think so because the strength that he shows, that vastly needs to improve at the next level. Strength at the line of scrimmage for him has got to improve. Or do you... Seriously, who's blowing up my phone? Oh, yeah. Powerball. Big news. Powerball now draws three days a week. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Spring it on with 40 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Matching styles for the family are on sale too. Shop it all through April 12th. 
what system do you put him in? Do you keep him inside? Do you make him a tweener? Do you send him off the edge in certain systems in a 3-4? I mean, what really is going to benefit DeMarvin Leal and the teams that draft him to really get the best of his athletic ability? And as you said, Dan, it's just like round two comes around. And if you're telling me, am I taking DeMarvin Leal or Travis Jones? <laughs> I mean, that's laughable at this point. There's no question I'm taking Travis Jones. I'm taking Fedarius Mathis before I'm taking DeMarvin Leal. I have it on the fringe. If I'm right, Dan, you have the list in front of you. I think I had DeMarvin Leal as my number five Correct. overall interior defensive lineman. I'll tell you what, it's on that fringe now, even still talking about it right now. But you can go from five to eight in a hurry. It's just, it's crazy the arc that he has gone through in just one single season of college football. So you look at him as far as the next level goes, and you really just say, where is it that this guy is going to benefit the team that drafts him the most? Is it going to be on the interior? Can he build up his strength that much? Are our teams going to be patient with his type of production? Or are you going to get a team that's going to come out of left field and say, you know what? We got you. We're going to put you at defensive end outside, or we're going to put you as, you know, uh, a, a, a pass rushing specialist in a three, four and have you come off uh, in that type of a system. Yeah. And again, like I think sometimes it's a blessing. Sometimes it's a curse, but Jack of all trades, ace of none. I think he is above average to good in a lot of things, but in the NFL draft, you've got to be great at something. And I just don't know what that is. And a quote that I had seen Jake that I think is pretty telling from an NFC scout said, the tape didn't match the hype he had going into the season. You never really feel him on tape like you should for a top player. And if that's not telling of what you want out of someone like him for the hype he had going into the season to, if you watch him, there really isn't anything that flashes. And that's really scary for someone that you're trying to, like, rely on as your anchor and i just don't see it as him again would be a good piece to have in a defense he makes defenses better sure but i don't think you can rely on just him to do it so hell pair him with a uh, jordan davis love it sounds good but is that gonna happen probably not if we're just being honest so there's our quick spiel on demar leal all right, Jake. So that is our end of the list in terms of who we each have as our top 10 guys. I think in total, we have about, I think, 12 or 13 guys here. Uh, so without further ado, let's go ahead and kind of showcase what our top 10 list is for both of us. Again, Jake's on the left. I am on the right. Jake, you've got Devontae Wyatt, one. Jordan Davis, two. Travis Jones, three. Phil Mathis, four. DeMarvin Leal at five, which I know is crazy, but we talked about it already. Perrion Winfrey, number six. Neil Farrell, number seven. John Ridgway, number eight. Haskell Garrett, number nine. And Marquand McCall, number 10. As for myself, I think for the most part, we have everything similar in terms of the guys we have. Only thing different is where we have them put. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis, still the same for me as number one and two. We have Phil Mathis and Travis Jones flip-flopped at three and four. I have them at three for Phil Mathis. Perrion Winfrey, I have above DeMarvin Leal at number five for me, then DeMarvin Leal at six. John Ridgway, I have higher than you at number seven. Haskell Garrett, Marquand McCall, and Neil Farrell at number 10. So before we get into kind of a quick 
honorable mentions conversation. We'll give a couple shout outs to some guys that we are impressed with that did not quite make the list. Jake, looking at your list, looking at mine, there's a lot of similarities, some differences, but question for you, a question for I think for everyone here listening, watching. Of all the guys here, who do you see as ones who could potentially provide the most value for when they are picked? Again, most value for when they are picked, i.e., which guy do you think is maybe a sleeper? Which guy do you think is going to be someone that could break the bank that people aren't necessarily high on? Highest value picks of these 10 go. You know what's crazy is, as you mentioned, we haven't even met, we haven't started talking about the honorable mentions or the sleeper guys here yet, and we will in just a moment because there's there's other guys that we have to watch tape on. Again, this list as it stands right now is fluid. We have to go through the combine, the pro days, and come April 28th, these lists are probably going to change dramatically. I would assume so. But God, even just going back through everything we were just talking about, there's there's a case to be made for a number of these different guys for as far as who the value is. I mean, you know, John Ridgway jumps out to me as a guy who could be really nice value. Marquan McCall for everything that we were saying as far as being the Jordan Davis light or not necessarily light, but he's crazy. The poor man's Jordan Davis, if you know if you understand what I mean. But honestly, Dan. Uh, I would really have to say Travis Jones may be end up being the best value here. Travis Just with Jones. every with everything that he brings to the table uh as as a pass rusher that could benefit the Chargers in a multitude of different ways. Not just one. Obviously, Jordan Davis, we know what he's bringing to the table. Devontae, we know what he's bringing to the table. But I believe it was Matt Miller who said it. I was reading it on Twitter that said, you know, he understands all the hype for Jordan Davis, but at the same time, if your team doesn't grab Jordan Davis, not only will Travis Jones be a nice consolation prize in the second round, but he may end up being the better prospect of the two. And again, it's just from the standpoint of their Travis Jones comes with multiple tools in his arsenal. Again, very violent player, um, able to pass rush, good against the run. Just really impressed me when I watched the tape on him and, and kind of just went back and watched everything, especially the week that he had uh, at senior bowl practices. It was just phenomenal for him. So you couple that with having to you know, blowing blowing the, the testing away at the combine and then having a good pro day. And then as everybody says, you know, don't watch that. Don't look at that. Just go back and watch the tape. If the Chargers were able to land Travis Jones in the second round, that would be a home run. Like I said it at the beginning of the show, put in whatever player you want in round one. doesn't matter what position. Go ahead and name off whatever player you want. If you're able to couple him with Travis Jones, <laughs> I'd say that's a home run right there. So, so real quick. So in terms of let's let's go real quick. Round one, day one, day two, day three. Day one. How many guys here are day one to you? This is this is tough to me because to me right now the line should really be over under two. If you if you saw Daniel one Jeremiah's half. one and a half. Well, okay, yeah, one and one and a half. You could say. Uh, God, you got really want to put the 
the Vegas stamp on that, don't you? Uh, but if you if you saw Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft that he put out today, he had two interior defensive linemen going in the first round. He had Devontae White going right before the Chargers selection at 17. He had him going 16 to the Eagles. And then he had the Detroit Lions selecting at 32, taking Jordan Davis off the Jordan board. Davis on the last pick of the first round. Yeah. So round two is going to be the big day where the interior defensive line, I think are going to go off the board. Now this is what's going to make this tough because guys that you would have had a a third round grade on simply because of supply and demand may end up going higher in round two. And that, and that will cascade throughout the remaining uh, rounds of the draft. So yeah, I think no question you put Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis as, as round ones. Mm, no doubt about it. I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Davis goes after Travis Jones. I would not be shocked at all. Standing here today, today, I, I will say that. I know that the value for Jordan Davis has gone down over the last several weeks. If Travis Jones has a phenomenal combine, which I hope for his Probably sake will. he does. <laughs> but at the same time, I hope he absolutely test horribly so that he could still be there when the Chargers select in round two. Uh, But at the same time, no, that's a great point, Dan, because there would definitely be a case to be made that Travis Jones could elevate his stock dramatically. And when you just see from that, that mock draft alone, that Daniel Jeremiah has Jordan Davis going (laughs) at the end of round one, when this is a guy that just a couple weeks ago, we saw projected as high as round or uh, round 12 pick 12 overall. I mean, he had that window between pick 12 and pick 17 mm-hmm. that that could be the sweet spot for him. And over the last several weeks, you've seen his value kind of sour a little bit toward the end of the first round. So, again, today, as it stands, I'd say Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis have that first round grade on them. Travis Jones, Fidarius Mathis, DeMarvin Leal, Perrion Winfrey, I'd say that those guys are are solidified in, in round two. And I'm, again, I'm not saying this is in terms of the value of, of just the, the value as far as where yeah. you think that they would be projected. I'm simply saying this because there's going to be a run on defensive tackles in round two and simple supply and demand for those that didn't pursue a D tackle in the first round are going to want to do it in, in round two. I will say, I think that the thing that always kind of irks me a bit is, you know, looking at, Okay, okay. Devontae Wyatt, we both talk about as our DT1, more or less. And then you go into value. And, like, I think I would probably be more excited and more over the moon if we drafted, like, Haskell Garrett, John Ridgeway, Mark Juan McCall in, like, round late round three, round four. I'm, like, ecstatic about that. Like, I think that's way more value than Phil Mathis in the second round. Like, Phil Mathis in the second round, like, as much as that's probably where he should go, there are other needs that this team has that are really, really important, i.e., like get yourself a cornerback in round one or two. Get yourself offensive line help in round one or two. Get yourself edge rushing help in round one or two. Like there's a ton of guys you can get later. I think for value, McCall, Garrett, Ridgeway, that's like my sweet spot. If we can get one or even help two of those guys. I'm floored. Uh, okay, Jake, last chance. Honorable mention. So who, we've talked about a bunch of guys. I think I looked at, what, 24, I think, guys on my list for defensive tackles. I think you looked at around 20-ish. 
Um, yeah, and I still have work to do. So, who are the guys that are outside of the top ten, but that you could easily see either at that ten point five or maybe creep into the top ten before all is said and done come draft day? Yeah, so I really like. Uh, I need to again watch a little bit more film on him, but Thomas Booker out of Stanford, really like him as an interior defensive lineman, had a nice showing at the senior bowl. I think he would be perfect for the three tech spot in the chargers defensive uh, scheme. Again, versatile guy should be able to, to plug into a four, three defense in the NFL in the next level. Very well. Um, you know, bull rush power keeps low. I think he's got a lot of the intangibles you like to see. I still need to do a little bit more work on him, but I like what I've watched from him so far. And now Dan, you're going to have to help me on these next two, because if anybody has been watching the show long enough for me, knows that I am absolutely horrible when it comes to correctly pronouncing players. names. It's, it's hilarious. Must watch much. Listen, radio slash television. No, Please, no, Jake, it's not. Start off. No, it's not. So again, if this is if this is a butchering, I apologize. So Otito Ogbania, I believe is how you correctly pronounce I it from UCLA, right. 6'4, 330 pounds, flash great power at the senior bowl. If you were paying attention to him, he actually had a rep where he gave a pancake block to the offensive lineman by literally pushing him the entire width of the end zone and finished the pancake at the back of the end zone. I mean, just overpowered the offensive lineman, but I like the leverage that he plays with. He stays low, takes on double teams. Uh, you know, with that type of big frame at six, four, three thirty, I think he uses, uh, his length extremely well. Um, I have him as a guy who could possibly move up draft boards as a sleeper right now. And then, okay, Jake. So one guy I have on my honorable mentions, we talked about a bit off the top, but Christopher Hinton out of Michigan. I think he's someone that could easily run up the draft boards. Another one that I really like, you're not hearing many, not hearing many people talk about him out of Penn state, PJ Mustafer, I believe six, four, really like him. Uh, I think he can do better. I think he's a much bigger body than folks understand until they see him shed blocks really well. Again, never goes backwards. I think he's more of a run pressure for sure. Um, less of a pass rush, but I could see someone as like a day three guy. I really like him. Tyrone Truesdale as well. Like him a lot. Um, not really much versatility. He's just a run guy, but he's a bull rusher connoisseur. That's where he gets makes his bread butter. Uh, those are probably two guys that I would look at. Otherwise, I think for the most part, everyone else potentially Matthew Butler, but nah, I wasn't really that excited about him. Jermaine Loyal, not really either, or Lole, I believe. Um, yeah, the only other one, I think, Jake, that you probably might, I don't know if you have this on your list, um, but just because he's at Notre Dame. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Uh, we know Tom Telesco loves his Notre Dame boys. Yeah, I don't necessarily like him. I think he's a little bit too small. Too much of a tweener for me, but Tagovailoa Amosa, I believe his first name. I think that's how you say it. Myron. Uh, Myron. Myron. Tagalo that's his first name. <laughs> yep. Myron Tagovailoa Amosa. Whew. Try saying that five times fast. Um, anything we missed? So, again, for me, this th this guy, I guess, would be kind of more of a tweener because he's got enough versatility that you could put along the defensive line. He's big enough to create penetration on the inside, but he's also 
great coming off of the edge. Again, this is a guy who I think that you can use all over um, uh, the field, whether it's at the five technique or, as I mentioned, coming off the edge. But again, this is me stuttering because I can't even figure out how to pronounce the first syllable of his first name. But bear with me, Dan, because this is going to be a butchered job of mass proportions. Ioma Awazuriki is the best that I could do out of out of Iowa State. Say it again. I'm sure. No, I'm not saying it again. That that, that first one was all you got. So if I, 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 I pronounce it, I don't know how to pronounce it either. But I'm gonna go with Ioma Awazuriki. That's fine. Anyone you else who knows how to pronounce it better than me or but, Jake, please let us know. But I'm I'll be interested to see where they actually place him at because he's got that versatility where you were he has played in the five technique or he's also come off the edge, but at a guy at six, six, 320 pounds. And how about this Dan for some stats, 103 total tackles, nine sacks uh, alone in 2021. That was 103 total tackles throughout his obviously college career. But I really like um, his power and his size uh, was a standout during Shrine Week in, in their practices. I got to watch a little bit more film on him, but I liked what I saw just in that small scope of things. Um, and he's a guy who I could possibly be seeing rising up dra- draft boards, whether it's in the uh, interior defensive line class or as an edge rusher. Jake, we made it. We made we it. through first position group. I know that was a doozy. Uh, went a little yeah. long, but I think it's worth it because this is a huge, huge position of need for the Chargers. We have our top 10 list each. Uh, folks, if you guys see any picks that you totally agree with or completely disagree with that we have either in the right or wrong areas, let us know. In the I want to see everybody's top 10 or at least top five. Give me top five. If you don't want to go all the way to top 10, but if you want to be bold enough, please, by all means, do it. Yeah. I want and to see everybody's like to also, list in the comments. And also, tell us who you would like to see picked in day one, two, and three. Because I think that everybody wants to talk about who they want first, but then afterwards, the crapshoot. Uh, but in the meantime, Jake, let's end this one. For Jake and his beautiful hair, his luscious locks, both on his chin and his head, you can find him wow. on Twitter at Jake T. Hefner, myself at Chargers Homer. Really swung for the fences on that one, didn't I you? I hit a home run like I always do. You, again, <laughs> LAC underscore Unleash is where you can find us on Twitter. Again, subscribe, follow, like on anywhere you find us on social media or podcast. Of course, subscribe on YouTube. Until next time. Chargers Unleashed gets through all of your defensive tackle prospects for the NFL draft. Coming up next, Jake, we get to talk about all things. I believe we're talking cornerback next. Is that correct? Yes. And as we all know. If you think that this class is deep, wow. Just wait till we get into the corner class. Let's Dan's, get Dan's after gonna it. have a field day when it comes to this corner class. Oh, I'm that's sure. my favorite. All right, guys, enjoy this one. Good afternoon, good evening, good night. We'll talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed.
Seriously, who's blowing up my phone? Oh, yeah. Powerball. Big news. Powerball now draws three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Spring it on with 40 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Matching styles for the family are on sale, too. Shop it all through April 12th.